As a brother said, we're having that mission down in Riverside, and uh, it's been great nights of fellowship and blessing. Many people have gathered in, and it was a real blessing for us to be able to go around the, the town, round the, the different doors, giving invitations to the mission. That was something we enjoyed doing, and we did that with quite a few other folk uh, with a lot of doors to go around, but I was amazed, really, about how many people still are relying on their good works. How many people there are that still think that by doing good, they will some way get to heaven. I met one woman down there in Lee Stone Caravancy, and uh, talking to her, and she doesn't go to church, but, you know, I read the Bible now and again. And by that, she thinks that she'll be good enough. Other ones, a young fellow who, who uh, said, I believe in God, I've always believed in God, but the last couple of years I really have tried to do that which is right and do what God wants. But he doesn't know the Lord. Doesn't know the Lord. And how many there are? They just go along to church for, by tradition, but the word of God has not grabbed their heart and grasped their heart. They haven't grasped the truth of the gospel. Indeed, so common has this idea become that the only important thing, or at least the most important thing in life, is to be good. That, for many, is the same word as Christian. Uh, the word Christian doesn't mean much more than good to these people. Some describe others as being very Christian, uh, meaning that they're good people. Many say that was a very Christian thing to do. Meaning that that was some good deed that they did. It was a very Christian thing to do. They put Christian in instead of the word good. And such an idea is popular for two main reasons. First, because it seems to be the solution to the problem of the existence of so many religions. And so many philosophies and so many opinions. Reducing everything down to a unifying base of morality. Of being good. Meaning that the most important thing is that Christians and atheists and Muslims and anybody else that uh, practice their religion are basically good. If they aim, if their aim and their desire is that they want to be good, that to the great majority of people is the most important thing of all. And the other reason for the popularity of this idea that it ends the threatening dimension of the spiritual. Now what do I mean by that? I mean we can forget about God who demands so much from us and frees us from having to think of the very uncomfortable level of sin. And thus establish our own ethical standards and so we can continue to live really just as we want. We are our own God and we decide what is right and what is wrong. Of course it is good to be good and I wish we were all better people. And if someone wants to have this as their philosophy, what is important is to be good, they have the perfect right to do so. But what nobody has the right to do is to call this Christianity. They haven't got the right to call this Christianity. Is it possible to reduce Christianity to a level of atheistic humanism and say that they are the same? 
If the important thing is to be good, well, isn't God good? Isn't God important? And what about Jesus Christ? What about the Word of God? Are these things not good? We will let the incredulous people say that the important thing is to be good. But those of us who belong to Christ, those of us who have been saved and who believe in the true religion of the word of God, we cannot deprive Christianity of its soul. The fact is that there are two fundamental Christian ideas or teachings that oppose the apparent charming consensus that the important thing is to be good. And the first is the Christian doctrine of original sin. According to this, this, and surely God teaches this in his word, we are all born already contaminated with this hereditary disease which is sin. We have a perverse, corrupt, selfish and sinful nature. And you don't have to look too far to see that it really is so. It shows. You just have to turn on the television in the evening and watch the news. And you'll hear of all sorts of violence, all sorts of fraud, all sorts of evil happening all over the world. Why? Because man by nature is a sinner. Man by nature is sinful. It's almost the only thing that neither parents nor schools have to teach the children. That is How to sin. How to sin. It is evident that it comes from the children in a surprisingly natural way. Today we notice that even more because little by little the authorities are removing the restrictions that that used to exist. Before there was a respect for parents. Because everyone knew very well what would happen if you disobeyed your parents. An immediate, quick and painful punishment. But of course, today, modern man is wiser than God. And these medieval methods are so vulgar that they only are worthy to the ignorant savage. Not to civilized man. Teachers no longer have a weapon against disobedience. And as a result, the situation in many classes, in many schools, is that of chaos. We are already suffering the consequences of this philosophy. Man wants to be good even to those that are bad. Those that deserve punishment. We see they have not only removed punishment from the schools, but also from the prisons. As a result, there is no more fear of the law. No more fear of the law of the land. If you look up in Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13 and the verse 3 and 4, it tells us really there the sum and total of what the government is. It says there, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. The magistrates 
are appointed by God. They are placed for the sole purpose to keep order. Punishing the guilty for their bad deeds and rewarding those who do well. But nowadays everything is turned upside down. Everything is the other way around. And some cases the guilty are rewarded and the victim suffers loss. I remember talking to a woman that we knew up in Craig Avon. And two young men went and burned her house down. And they were caught. They were caught. Afterwards, one of them was taken on a holiday. A holiday trip to get him away from the bad influence and the bad environment where he lived. All expenses paid. While the woman didn't receive a penny to fix her house. Today the jails are full. And there's no room for the prisoners. Because there's no fear of punishment. And in many cases it does not exist. In some prisons, uh, some prisoners don't want to leave prison because they're better off in prison. I remember watching a, a program about the prisons in Spain. And one man had his wee pots and his flowers and everything. He just had it all lovely. And he didn't want to leave. He was happy where he was. Everything was paid for. He didn't have to work. He didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to worry about another thing. His meals were in time. Everything was there for him. He was living it up. And I know a man who went in and he actually got a job in the kitchen and he put on weight while he was in prison. Because he had the rating of the finest of the wheat. They were just living it up. They had nothing to fear and even given money to come back out again. Yes, the jails are absolutely full because there's no punishment. There's, no, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. And that is why crime is so common today. And that is why when man thinks he knows better and leaves the word of God to do according to his own reasoning, it always ends in chaos. It always ends in chaos. We have a perverse, corrupt, selfish, and in a word, sinful nature. And as a result, being good is not as easy as it sounds. Especially when we consider that what being good is for us may not always be the, what it is for God. Many say the important thing is to be good, and many people want to be good. But they can't. It is not that they don't make efforts. They strive, they insist, they make resolutions, they work hard, and they even sweat because they want to be good. But they cannot reach their goal of being good. They have heard the famous Sermon on the Mount that we read this evening. That Jesus preached many centuries ago to a great number of people. And they like this sermon. They want to live according to the schemes of what Jesus said, but they can't. Essentially, Jesus said that one should do to others as they would want others do to them. And this is what we call the golden rule. The golden rule. And it's true. It's true that if the world learned to live according to this golden rule, we would be soon having a golden age in this world. But it's not easy to live well when by nature you are bad. 
Do you think it is possible to get grapes from thorns and figs or thistles? The Lord Jesus certainly preached a sermon like that in very few words. He spoke of loving your enemy as a reality. He advised the man to pray to God as if he was his heavenly father. He implored his people not to worry about tomorrow. Many want to put into practice what that they consider to be excellent teachings of this unique Jewish teacher. They want to love their enemy. They want to inherit the kingdom of God. They want to be blessed in their life. All these people were blessed. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. They want to be blessed. But they want thorns to produce grapes and figs to sprout from thistles. But it's not possible to live according to these principles of Jesus Christ. This is the pure and simple truth. Natural man cannot obey it. He cannot obey it. The highest degree of goodness that he is capable of achieving is far from receiving divine approval. Far from divine approval. Even if he could, even if it was possible, even if it was possible for us to do something perfectly, how long could we do it for? How long could man do it for? It would only last a very short time. All of this clearly only shows that the doctrine of the total depravity of man is a lamentable reality. We are totally depraved. We are bent on to sin. Our nature is to sin. The other Christian doctrine that is in conflict with the humanist motto, the important thing is to be good, is the same doctrine of Christ. The second person of the Holy Trinity became man and died on the cross because he was and is the only way of salvation for sinful man. If by being good we could save ourselves, then it was not necessary for Jesus to expose himself to all the suffering he went through. His sacrifice, costly as it was, was not necessary. Why would he die if the most important thing is for us to be good? If we could save ourselves by just being good and nothing more. Why would he die? No. The important thing is not just to be good. According to God, the important thing is recognizing that we are neither good nor can we be. It is important that we understand the message of the gospel. God became man to rescue us from the wickedness of our sin. And that we recognize that we cannot save ourselves, but Jesus came to save sinners. And we must recognize our sinful state and cry to God that he will, in all his mercy, save us. That he would pour out his mercy upon us. Don't be fooled by the alluring but anti-Christian philosophy that says, be content to do your best. Do your best. You can't do any more. No, don't trust in that. Run to Christ. Ask him to save you. That is what is important. 
The wages of sin is death. And we can't cancel out our sin by doing something good. We can't cancel out a bad deed by doing a good deed. That's what many people think they can do. Because they did something bad, well, well then I'll try and do a wee bit better. Maybe I'll put a wee bit more into the offering. Or I'll, I'll help Mrs. Soans bring her groceries. I'll try and do something to recompense this evil that has been done. No, we can't do that. Because the wages of sin is death. And that is why Christ had to die. He had to pay the price. And that price was nothing less and nothing more than the blood of Jesus Christ. We said before that the natural man cannot keep the precepts of the famous Sermon on the Mount. It is impossible. Except for those who have been transformed by the power of God and who have been converted from bad trees that bear bad fruit to good trees that produce good fruit. Of course, it is impossible for the ordinary natural man to live by the rules of Jesus Christ, of this sermon, of this Sermon on the Mount. It is, the fir- uh, it is first required that the tree be sanitized or transformed into a good tree because we are dead in trespass and sin. We are dead to God. We are dead spiritually. We can do nothing that will satisfy God. Natural man is a rebel against God. There's nothing he can do that will satisfy God. Indeed, the word of God says, our good works are as filthy rags in his sight. This is what Jesus was referring to in his conversation with the curious Nicodemus. Who came to visit him at night. Nicodemus was a, a man, of, a very religious man, a great religious man. With great religious accomplishments. And great religious influence. And also of great consecration. But Jesus spoke strange words to him. Words that Nicodemus could not understand at first. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again. Kingdom of God. The preaching of Jesus was for the citizens of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is achievable only for those who have been born again. Nicodemus could not understand it. Because he had been raised in an environment where these terms were not used. He had lived all his life in the illusion that if he could keep the law, all was well in his relationship with God. He thought he could keep the law. But friends, if you look up there in Galatians, in Galatians chapter 2, there's a verse there to me is so clear, so profound. Galatians chapter 2 and the verse 16. Paul says there, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now how much clearer can you get? 
How much clearer can you get than that? He told us how we can be saved and how we can't be saved. We can't be saved by the works of the law. We can't be justified by the works of the law. And we can be saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he kept the law in our stead. Everything he did is put into our account whenever we receive him as our saviour. Praise God, we are saved by faith in Christ and in Christ alone. Friends, that is the only way that we can be saved. By Christ and Christ alone. What he did there in Calvary, praise God, was accepted by God. That sacrifice was accepted as a substitute for us. And praise God, those who put their faith in Christ will not have to pay. Those who don't will have to pay. And let me tell you, they'll never finish paying. They'll be paying for all eternity in hell itself. That is the payment of sin. It will never get to the point where God will say, right, you've paid enough. Because they rejected God's Merciful son. No, things were not good for Nicodemus. Nicodemus was to be transformed to the point that Jesus spoke of this experience as a completely new birth. Something, of course, he couldn't understand. He thought this, he was talking physically. No, it was a spiritual birth. He couldn't understand it. And for those who have had that experience of the new birth, the reality is totally different. Life is looked at in a different way. Eternity is seen more clearly. Personal and social responsibility is understood in a radically different way. Now we put God first, others second, and ourselves last. And whenever a society does that, the whole society is transformed by the Spirit of God. And we've seen that in days gone by, in days of revival, when so many people got saved, it was just changed the whole personality of the country. And that's what we pray that will happen in this land of ours again. That's what we need, friends. We need God to send a mighty revival. That is the only thing that's going to save us. The Lord steps in and does a mighty work. Eternity is seen more clearly. We see what eternity is. And that's why we work for eternity. Not for the things of this world. These things will pass away. But what's done for Jesus will last forever. And that's why we should work for the Lord. Sad to say, I just heard recently that apparently nobody's gone in to the no new, new, no new students are going into the Whitfield College of the Bible. It's a sad reflection, I believe, in our young people. So nobody that wants to give their life to the Lord? Nobody that wants to serve him? Nobody that sees, really, the need to spread the gospel? Friends, we have the gospel here in every corner. But there's places in this world that have never heard yet. What right have we to hear and keep this gospel for ourselves whenever the world is going to hell? Whenever thousands still have never heard this Tremendous message of liberty and of hope in Christ Jesus. We need to pray for young people. 
We need to pray that God indeed would give them that vision. That they'd realize that we're not here forever. And really we can see time is running out. But Christ says whenever the gospel is, covers the world. It's then that he's going to come. He's going to come soon I believe. Friends we can see it happen. Whenever someone is radically changed by the gospel, by the Lord Jesus Christ, they become a good tree and consequently produce good fruit. Perhaps you yourself have been struggling in your life because you have wanted with all your heart to be a good person. You have wanted to put into practice these precious principles of the doctrine of Christ. But it has been a lost cause. You have been fighting a lost battle. You think you're trying to do that thing or you're trying not to do that other thing and lo and behold, after a week or two, you're back to doing the old habits again and you can't keep it up. Friend, you must hear the same words that Nicodemus heard because your situation is exactly the same. The Lord Jesus tells you personally, truly, truly, I say unto you, Except you, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see it. You'll be out and out and outer darkness forevermore. Then and only then will you, it will be possible for you to, if you truly accept Christ, if you truly believe in him, if you truly be born again, it's only then that it will be possible for you at least to start an attempt to live according to the rules of the kingdom of God. Why? By the power of the Spirit of God. You'll be a good tree. And consequently, you'll be able to bear good fruit to the glory of God. Because you will be born of God. The divine nature will be in you. God's Spirit will guide and keep you. He alone can save you and sustain you. And that's what I say to you, friend. Trust in him now. Without Christ, you're lost. Without him, there is no way that you can save yourself. Man by himself is a sinner by nature. He's going to hell. By nature. Left to himself, he's lost. But praise God, Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. That is what the good news is. That is what we have. That is the gospel. And that is our hope. And that is the hope that we can give to this world. That can transform this world. Is there no one here that is one willing to take this message to the lost? Are we not moved? Have we not seen a vision of the lost around us? Can we not take this message where people are trying and trying by some way to gather uh, momentum to get to heaven? Friends, they can't. It's only Christ can satisfy. Only he can save. Only he can transform. I pray that the Lord will give us a greater vision. A greater vision of around us, of the people around us, of those that are still lost, and that he would give us a burden to pray, that he would give us words to speak, that he would give us a real vision of the lost and where they're going. Do we really believe in hell? Do I really believe in that eternal punishment, that lake of fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched? Do we truly believe it? 
I believe we've really got a true vision of what it is for a lost soul to die. I believe we'll be changed. Oh, I wish the Lord would give us a true vision. That he would stir us up. That we would see that only Christ can change the situation of our land. He alone can transform it. He alone can see it. Because if he can save one, he can save all. Praise God, he saved me, transformed me, and given me a reason to live. And friends, whenever you get that desire to see, uh, and you get that, uh, you really see what the Lord has done for you. I remember I, I was not a good student in school, and I had no desire to go back to school again, to go to the Whitfield College of the Bible. And a woman said to me, oh, you could go back. You could go to the, the college. And I just said, no way. And I remember giving God all my excuses why I couldn't go. Lord, I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that and I couldn't do the other thing. And then the Lord said to me, what have I done for you? What have I done for you? And when I started to think on what he did for me, he left heaven's glory. We're not willing to leave our home, but he left his home. And he came to this world, not to live in a mansion, to be born in a stable. He had no place that he could even lay down his head, that he could call his own. He was rejected by his own people. Those religious leaders that were so righteous in the sight of the people, they hated him. They tried all in their power to pull him down. And yet in all he kept on. He was faithful. Preaching. Healing. Doing everything that was good for his people. And they shouted crucify him. Crucify him. And he went to the cross. Having the power to resist. All the soldiers in this world. He could resist all he had to say was I am in that garden and they all fell backwards. He just had to say the word and he could have judged the world then. But he didn't. He went to the cross and he willingly suffered that agony for each one of us. Are we not willing to do anything for him? Is he not worthy of our love? Is he not worthy of our service? Friends, have a vision of the Lord. See what he has done for you. And all your excuses would be nothing. I just knew my excuses were nothing. And I just knew there and then I had to go. And the Lord brought us through. And that was a miracle in itself. And here we are. Well, the Lord, we just pray that the Lord will speak to your hearts. And if there's one here... You've been trying to do your best. You've been hoping by your own good works to get to heaven. I would say to you, call on the Lord. He is the only way. There is no other way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It doesn't matter who he is. There is no way that anyone will enter into heaven but through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we can be dogmatic because it is the truth. 
Many people think there's many ways to get into heaven. Let me tell you, there's only one. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to him and come.